Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots Bay Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into this. Concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, a look at the European football model. And ask me questions if I was confusing. And I hope this does bring about questions. It really does. This episode, I admit, this is going to be a Cubs light episode. A Cubs light episode. But I think we, I th- I'm going to learn some things. And perhaps you might as well. What I'm going to look at is how baseball would be run if baseball were using the European football model. Everybody loves a model, right? Everybody loves a model. Model A, model T, underwear model, whatever. Everybody loves a model. This model is what would baseball look like if it were using the European football model. What we are used to, well, there's a couple of different things we are used to. I don't necessarily believe in we. There, I, there's a whole bunch of I's and there's not really a whole lot of we's. Um, what I understand might be different from what you understand. We might have different stances on a whole bunch of different things and it could be that I'm closer to accurate it could be that you're close to act closer to accurate could be we're both entirely totally wrong and barking up the wrong trees we understand individually what we understand we might be understanding accurately we might not be understanding accurately we might one of us might be kind of close to right one of us might not be kind of close to right but what I'm going to do is go through as a, what, three-month expert of European football? Believe me, air quotes over expert. Um, here's how it happens. Here's how it happens over there as opposed to over here. And it's just entirely different. Now, one thing to, a, a bit of an overarcher. I tend, to, I tend to like to have overarching premises over a podcast. Soccer works for this model significantly better than baseball does. Soccer works a whole lot better because there aren't pitching injuries. There just aren't pitching injuries. If you have someone who, hey, we're going to send him out to play soccer. Very rarely, very rarely is somebody going to have a significant injury in soccer. It'll sometimes happen. It'll sometimes happen. Somebody blows out a knee. Somebody has a severe concussion problem. You know, people have, have um, had heart attacks on the field. People have had heart attacks in the stands. People have died at soccer games. But in baseball, it's a lot more likely that someone is going to Hey, Mom, how you doing? How was your pitching today, hon? 
Well, uh, I blew up my shoulder, my elbow, and I'm going to be on the mend for 16 months. Oh, that's terrible. Um, it happens more in baseball than in soccer. It happens a lot more in American football than in baseball. So this model works amazingly well for soccer. And that Europe is soccer mad makes it very logical for this sort of setup to work for soccer. A game the country loves set up in a fashion that every single little town, burg, or hamlet can have a team. And that's basically the premise. Imagine your community. Imagine your community being one where there is no town. How to put this? Take your mentality of, I am not living in a big city. So if you're in Chicago, put yourself in some place other than Chicago. So put your place, put your, you know, middle of Kansas, middle of Montana, middle of Pennsylvania, someplace where there's no huge city. Now, you know, sell yourself down wherever you are, wherever your map is, that there is no big, huge city right by where you are. I will use where I am, Rockford, Illinois. We're, what, 130,000 in diving? Something like that. Um, 130,000, something like that. But we are the biggest town in spitting distance. A bit to the north is Madison, Wisconsin. They're bigger than we are, and they have a whole, well, they're Madison, Wisconsin. Their two biggest employers are the state of Wisconsin and the state of Wisconsin because they have University of Madison, Wisconsin, and they also have the state capital. But, uh, you know, ni nice, t very nice town, Madison, very nice city. Uh, have... Um, Belvedere to the south and east. A uh, whole bunch of smaller towns to the west. Freeport, um, cross the border into Wisconsin. You have Beloit. Uh, you know, yeah, you have towns. Yeah, so there's towns. There's smaller towns. There's medium-sized towns, there's bigger towns, and then an hour and change to the east, you have Chicago. That's basically what your map looks like in Rockford. Janesville up in Wisconsin, they're about, what, 45 minutes away, something like that. So let's imagine, let's imagine, let's imagine you have the European baseball, uh, European football model in baseball, you don't have only 30 major league baseball teams. You don't have only 30 major league baseball teams. What you have is the goal for every team, the goal for every town, every town, village, and hamlet 
is to have your own baseball team. You have your own baseball team. You can look dismissively at someone else's baseball team. You can appreciate. You can respect. You can uh, wish that their your team was run as well as theirs. But everybody's got their own team. Belvedere has their own team. Rockford has their own team. Wisconsin, um, Roscoe has their own team. Rockton has their own baseball team. Uh, Janesville has their own baseball team. Beloit has their own baseball team. Everyone has their own baseball team. Or it could be a situation where two towns are next to each other. They decide, you know what? Either they tried to both have separate baseball teams or they say, you know what? Let's just have one team together. Then we have one team together. We can probably have a better team together. And we'll just kind of put our forces together and we'll have combined to have one baseball team. You can do that. Permitted. Legal. After all, in this European version model of baseball, you don't have a uh, antitrust exemption for the 30 owners, which is largely a huge problem. So you have a kid who does rather well playing baseball, and he's playing in, let's say, Belvedere. Belvedere, I don't know what's Belvedere, 40,000? I don't know, whatever they are. Uh, kids playing well in Belvedere, and the local nine, the Belvedere side, decides we want to sign this young player to play for our Belvedere organization slash team. And you have an organization. You have a slash. You have an organization in that you have an under 18 team for kids who are really good and are not yet 18 years old. They're playing on the U18 team. You have a U23 team, <clears throat> kids who are under 23 years old in Belvedere. They're playing on the U23 team. If you go to the online page, you see, oh, here is a list of all the kids who are on the Belvedere U23 team. They're all smiling. This kid's a third baseman. This guy plays right field. The, these two kids pitch. You know, however it works, whatever. And... Belvedere is proud of their team. They spend, they have coaches, and they have practices, and they recruit in their area. Sometimes they even recruit outside of their area. Maybe they go to, oh, dang nabbit. I, I'm not even thinking any towns in your Belvedere, and I don't want to go look at a map. But, you know, the, the region, hey, come play for us. We will give you X amount of dollars and you come play for us. Oh, okay, sure, fine, no problem. I like playing baseball. Your team is better than my team is. I will come play for your U18 team, your U23 team, whatever. And it gets to a certain point where Belvedere has a player who is actually rather good at playing baseball. He's actually really kind of good at playing baseball. And what happens is this kid gets to a certain point where he realizes, you know what? I'm enjoying baseball. I'm good at baseball. I'm actually better than Belvedere. I'm actually better than Belvedere. I'm kind of carrying this team, and they're not really paying me a whole lot of money. They're not paying me a whole lot of money. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell them they have to double my salary, or I'm going to go somewhere else. What? You're going to turn this into a money thing? Of course. That is exactly what happens with the European football model. It 
becomes a complete money thing. And ownership, while they have this, that, and the other thing, they do not have ownership of players. They do not have ownership of players in the Euro model. In the Euro model, the player owns himself. The player owns himself. So if the player gets to a point where, for instance, let's say a team has a player on their U23 team. He's on their U23 team. He's doing really well on their U23 team. And he's just turning 21. And the team really likes having him on their U23 team because he's doing really well. The U23 team is doing really well. The parent club is doing really well. But the kid decides, you know what, I don't want to play U23 anymore. I want to play for a real team. I want to play for the actual Belvedere side. Or I might go to play for Freeport. Or I might even go play for Rockford, those evil, horrible people that they are. Wait a minute, you're going to turn this into a money thing? Everybody turns it into a money thing. There is no um, draft. There is no international signing period. You have the guys you have. You sign the guys you sign. You do as well as your team has you do because that's how well, that's how good the players are. And that's how the model is. So the kid from Belvedere decides, I'm going to go play for Rockford because Rockford's going to pay me more money, as if that would ever happen. So he goes to Rockford, plays for Rockford for two or three years, and the Rockford people are really, yeah, yeah, baby, we got this guy. He's real good. We finally have a team. We can finally. And then after two years, he says, you know what, I'm gonna, forget this. I'm going to go play for another team because somebody else will pay me more than Rockford will. Oh, man, how dare you go chase the money? Well, he chased money to come to you. Why is it that it's bad that he's going to go chase money to go somewhere else? That's what the model ends up being. The Euro football model ends up being ownership has no property ownership of players whatsoever. So the players end up gravitating toward the teams that will pay the most. So you have your small town teams I'm going to switch back, merge back into Euro soccer. You have the teams like Huddersfield. You have the teams like Kidderminster. They're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. They are perfectly fine developmental feeder programs, but they're not going to be the home of a player who's elite. When a player gets to a certain level, they're going to say, I'm going somewhere else. I'm going somewhere else where I'm going to get paid more. I'm going somewhere. I'm not going to stay at Huddersfield for the rest of my life. I'm actually good. I might be good enough to make the English national team. I'm not going to stay at Huddersfield forever. Sell me to a better team so I have a better opportunity to show myself off. That's exactly what happens. The player goes from Huddersfield, or the, the player goes from Kidderminster, then he gets sold to Huddersfield, then he gets sold to Watford, then he gets sold to Chelsea. You go up and up and up and up until you find the level of team that is willing to pay the amount 
that the player is willing to accept and be worth. So what ends up happening in the Euro model, you have 400 teams in England. You have, I don't know how many teams you have in Spain, I don't know how many teams you have in France, but you have scads of teams in every little town. But really, when it comes down to it, when you're talking about the really good players, you only have four or five teams, really. Maybe you have six. In, in England, there are six. There are six. It floats, and usually the top four or five are the same from year to year to year to year. If you look at a sports page from, oh, 2045, oh, Manchester City still good. <laughs> Liverpool still second in the uh, still second in the Premier League. Now some of the teams will float up and down, and one of the things that is intriguing about Euro football, about the English Premier League, is relegation. Relegation: the last three play, the last three teams in the standings get dumped to the next league and replaced by the teams who finished one, two, three in the league lower. So somebody is going to get bounced. You're not going to get a first-round draft pick in the top three because you had one of the first three records. What you're going to do is you're going to stop playing Chelsea. You're going to play Huddersfield. Instead of having trips to Liverpool and Manchester City and Manchester United and Tottenham and Chelsea, you're going to go play Huddersfield and teams like that. That, that's how it works. You either have to win or get used to playing a new level of talent. There are good things about the English Premier League style of doing things. There are bad things about the English Premier League style of doing things. But it is an entirely different mindset. Winning is what matters. Yes, player development is helpful as well. But in the Euro football model, the player has every single bit of the leverage. At 22 or at 23, the player can say, not really, I'm better than you guys are. You either have to let me go, sell me to someone else, or in the next six or eight months, I'm going to go somewhere else all on my own. And you will get no compensation. You won't get an extra draft pick because there is no draft. You develop your own talent. You keep developing your own talent. But to a large extent, you have to buy the players that you are going to win with. You have to buy the players that you are going to win with. And if you have your, for instance... 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 seat venue, and you can sell out your 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 seat venue for most of your home games, your home matches, then you get all that revenue that you get to reinvest in the program or not. And the teams that only have a 2,500 seat venue well, they're not going to be able to keep their best talent if their best talent wants to leave. The Euro model is, the Euro football model is different 
than the professional baseball model. The professional baseball model, which the owners have bought tooth and nail for, players are property for three to six to 11 years. And there are reasons I say three to six to 11 years as opposed to other numbers. First three years, the player does not count against the um, Rule 5 draft. Not going to talk about the Rule 5 draft today. If you know about the Rule 5 draft, you probably understand why I say three years as opposed to four years. Um, the first three years, a player is effectively free. A player is effectively free for his first three years. He doesn't count against any of the realistic limits in rosters. First three years, he doesn't count at all. Between three years and six years, he counts a little tiny bit, depending upon how well he's done. Three to six. Once a player hits six years, he's probably got to be doing something kind of well, or else he'll probably go away by the time he gets to seven or eight or nine or 10 or 11 years. He has to really be doing well. If the team still wants to keep him around, they can. It's not a problem but he does get more expensive. So in baseball, the owner keeps the player as property for three to six to 11 years. To me, that sounds a bit extreme. How should that be negotiated out? How should that be teased so the owners still have some benefit in having a well-run organization? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I'm not comfortable with 11. I'm also not comfortable with the Euro football model of zero years of ownership control of player. Should there be some level of control? Yeah, I think there should. If an owner and the general manager decide we're going to sign this draft pick this first round draft pick, this second round draft pick for this draft amount, this uh, signing bonus amount, the team should probably be able to keep the player freely and without um, risk of any sort of departure without their approval for a while. Maybe three years. Maybe three years is too little. Maybe seven years. I'm not sure exactly how many. Zero years is too few. Eleven years is too many. In my world. With the current lockout, there seems to be no interest in any negotiation by either... Well, there seems to be no negotiation willingness from the owners. The players are willing to negotiate this or that, but the last two collective bargaining agreements have been complete blowouts for the owners. To use a Euro football model, the last two um, collective bargaining agreements, the owners won 4-0 and 5-0. It wasn't close. It was ugly. It was brutal. And now the the players want to at least compete 
in the negotiations? Will the players win this negotiation? I don't know. But at least they're trying this time. Players might not win. They might lose 3-1. to one. They might lose 2-1. to one. They might win 3-2. to two. But the players winning 3-2 to two or the players losing 2-1 to one would be significantly different from the players losing 4 to nothing, 4 to 4 nil or 5 nil as happened the last times. Some baseball fans don't like to look at the business side of the game. They just just show me a ball game. Show me the ball game. Show me the ball game. Show me the ball game from Wrigley Field. The Cubs are the team that I care about. Show me a game from Wrigley Field. That's all I care about. There's a whole lot more out there. There's a whole lot more out there than there's a baseball game today. You're not required to pay any attention to it. You're not required to pay any attention to the business angle of the Major League Baseball organizational structure. But until you have some of the basics down, and hopefully you have some of the basics down reasonably accurately, it's kind of difficult to have anyone else take your opinion on the baseball discussion seriously. If you're not even aware of how it's going, if you're not even aware of, oh, owners get to treat players like property for six to ten years. I didn't know. If you don't understand that, then your opinion probably shouldn't be heated a whole lot as far as how these things are actually working. Baseball players are fighting for their future. Baseball owners are fighting for their future. You can be in favor of a Euro soccer model. You can be opposed to a Euro soccer model. The reality now is owners have possession of players for 11 years and until those 11 years are up, as of right now, players have very little say-so. You can consider that a good thing or a bad thing, but it is how it is now. Should the pendulum swing more toward owners having more say-so or players having more say-so? That's what it's about. That's what the discussions are about. The owners... Even if they don't get more say-so, they want to keep the say-so that they have now. The players want to be able to have a little bit more. Why is it that Jordan Wicks should be required to stay a Cub until he's 31, 32 years old? Hopefully he wants to stay a Cub. But uh, the negotiations are about... Should the players have more opportunities at younger ages or not? To a large extent, that's what it's about. Some of it involves money. Some of it involves the ability to leverage other teams against your team. Kind of like in the European model. 
kind of like in the European model. It's not so much that the kid who's playing for Cardiff City specifically loves Arsenal or Tottenham. But the kid from Cardiff City might want to have his team from Cardiff City pay him more money. Either you pay me more money or I'm going to go play for Arsenal or Tottenham. In the Euro League, in the Euro soccer model, the players have all the rights. In baseball, the owners, for a very long time, have all the rights. And it boils to, largely, who do you think should have a larger percentage of the rights than now? Do you think it should be the players? Do you think it should be the owners? How it boils down? Interesting call. Interesting call. Interesting. Tough decision. Possibly. How it would break down. How it would change. How they could do it. And those would be fun discussions to have. I'm not going to have them. At least not yet. But no. How baseball ought to change its model based on current realities, based on COVID, based on... Those would be the discussions that ought to be being had. But as of right now, it really does seem like the owners are, if we don't get everything that we want, we're not going to vote in favor of whatever is being voted on. That's what it sounds like to me is happening. If the owners aren't keeping all of their toys, if the owners aren't keeping all of their rights... They're not voting for it. And if somebody is that, I'm going to say, intractable, if they are not going to have an open mind when it comes to negotiation, it might be a while before there is a resolution. If it's going to be a while before a resolution, you might have to find another sport to keep yourself occupied through February and March and April because it might not be professional baseball. Starting next Friday, Division I College Baseball. Have a great rest of your week.